welcome to this week's episode of the Animals at Home podcast. If you are new here, my name is Dylan and thank you for tuning in. If you are a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. Many of you would have seen on Instagram a stat that I shared, I think last week or so I shared in my story. I I read this really interesting article that said 90% of podcasts in the Apple podcasting app have less than 10 ratings. And this podcast has 46 plus ratings from across a bunch of different countries. I am super proud of that and I only have you guys to thank. So thank you so much if you're someone that's gone to the Apple store or the Apple podcasting app and given this a five-star rating. That is fantastic. I'm so happy we were able to sort of blow that statistic out of the water. Speaking of Instagram, if you if you did follow me last week, I went live for the first time and had a really awesome conversation with several of you guys. If you, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at animals at home CA. I'm going to try to continue to go live every once in a while, especially during this sort of bizarre quarantine period that we're all stuck in. And because of the quarantine period, as I said last week, I'm going to try to publish more episodes more frequently. Typically, I'm once every two weeks. I'm going to try to maintain every single week a new episode for as long as I can. As long as I have the extra time on my hands, I should be able to make that work. The next two episodes are already recorded. That's my conversation with M. Locke from Emzotic, which was an awesome conversation. She's just released a book, one of the biggest YouTube channels in terms of the pet tuber sphere, I, I would call it. That was a great conversation, as well as the conversation after that is my chat with Adam Wicken, who has a pretty new YouTube channel. It's only about a year old, but it's already at well over 15,000 subscribers, and that channel is called Wicken's Wicked Reptiles. Both of those will be out in the next two weeks, so definitely stay tuned for that. Thank you very much to our sponsor, Custom Reptile Habitats, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Go check them out. Links are in the show notes as well as the YouTube description. If you are in need of anything reptile-related, they are your one-stop shop. They have all of the gold standard reptile equipment, ranging from Arcadia, Miss King, Universal Rocks. It's all there on one website. Go check them out if you are in need of anything for a current or future animal. This week, I am chatting with Angela, who is the manager of the reptile section in a store in Michigan called The Roadshow. As reptile enthusiasts, I think we often find ourselves bashing the big store, the big box pet stores. And I, even to be honest, we do it in this episode a little bit, especially I do a little bit because they're kind of easy targets, but they're also rightly so. They need to be criticized in a lot of ways. Quite often, they're selling animals to people that don't know how to care for them. A lot of times, they're not selling the proper equipment for the animals that they sell. The staff almost seemingly is not aware of how to care for certain species. The quality of the animals in the stores usually looks you know, sick and unhealthy a lot of the time because they're not being cared for properly. The list continues to go on. This episode, I'm able to highlight an independent store, a store that's actually cared for and operated by people who have a deep love and passion for reptiles. And when you're listening to Angela talk, it just comes out right away. She, This is her dream job and she treats it that way. And she has all these different tactics and things that they use to make sure the store runs responsibly, successfully, and ethically, meaning they're making sales to people who know how to care for the animals, sending people home with care sheets. They have a bunch of really interesting ideas. And I think instead of bashing the big box stores, it's much more important to highlight stores like this and give people a resource. If you are working at a store, these are some things that you can implement to make your store run more responsibly. And I do have a favor for you guys, so make sure you stick around to the outro because I'm going to ask you to help me out on a project that I'm working on. So at the outro, I'll explain that. But until then, here's my conversation with Angela. So Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I was very excited to hear that Pet Store was using the podcast as uh, as a, a resource for the employees and, and the customers as well. And obviously, 
pet stores are a major part of the reptile industry. So anything we can do to keep them functioning well is going to be healthy for the industry. So I want to jump into that with you because I think we can learn a lot from you today. In terms of your story, tell me, tell me how the reptiles came into your life. Well, I worked at a big name pet store. I'm not going to say which one because sometimes I have not the nicest things to say about their care that they had for the reptiles. And I was actually a regular at the store I work at now. And then they needed help and they asked me to help and I agreed. And they have like only reptiles. And I mean, we have like hedgehogs and bunnies and stuff. But when I started working with the reptiles, I just fell in love. Like, I think that the care for them is so rewarding. And I mean, I used to be all about furry things. Like I was looking on my Facebook, um, you know how they have like the time hop. There was a picture of me holding a mouse and it, it was from like when I was in high school and it, I, I had like a caption that said, uh, I could never let you be food. And I always think about that because I'm like, if you could only see yourself in the future. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I started working with the reptiles and they became like my favorite thing. So when you were a regular at the big box store, were you into the reptile hobby at all? Or were you just into furry things at that time? Well, when I worked at the uh, big box store, I was only working with furry things. I mean, we had like a like a tiny reptile section, but nothing like the store I work at now. And in terms of your own personal collection, what was the first reptile that you picked up? Um, it's been so long. Who was my first? <laughs> Well, I started babysitting other people's reptiles at home before I took anything home because I'm really good at not taking things home because I don't like to overwhelm myself and I wouldn't want to like stretch myself too thin. Um, I think it was my ornate Euromastic. His name's Eli. I used to babysit him and then his owner um, had to like move away to college and she couldn't take him with him. So she asked me to keep him. So now I have him. Mm, that's awesome. I love uh, Euromastics. That's definitely on my bucket list of animals at some point in the future they're they're so cool they're so easy they're so great and 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 then i know your collection has grown in terms of your your just completely personal side outside the store i think you do have how many animals do you have right now oh gosh Um, (laughs) i have a cat i have a dog i have three parrots i have two rescue sulcata tortoises that i took like within the last month I have a Euromastic, I have two bearded dragons, I have six crested geckos, I have a blue tongue skink, um, we have three ball pythons, I have three red tail boas, <laughs> um, we have tarantulas, I have flower beetles. So it's a, it's a full-time job for sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, the only one I bought was one of the crested geckos. The rest of my collection at home are all rescues. Really? So those are all, all animals that people have surrendered and then you've just collected over the years? Yeah, those are the ones that I'm attached to. Not that yeah, I don't love them all. Once you once you pull in an animal uh, to rescue, sometimes it's hard to send them back out into the world, hey? I think the hardest ones are the ones that come to me in really bad condition, and then I get them back into really good condition because you, like, you, know, you get that bond when you're taking care of them, and then you just don't want to let them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard people talk about that too. Like, they... They nurse something from basically the brink of death back to life and they just owe it to the animal to never allow anything like that to happen again. So the only way to really do that is by keeping it in your own care. I've done it a few times with things and I've given it to people, but it's people that I know would like always keep them in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. 
I find, I like, I really like to give them to people who are extra, but extra in like the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's the way to be. And t- I think you're doing some breeding as well. Um, the breeding that I do is actually at the store. Um, awesome. We breed corn snakes. I think we have like 30 something corn snakes right now. Um, I just took them all out of hibernation. We breed crested geckos there. We breed bearded dragons there. Um, dart frogs. We breed leopard geckos, rainbow boas, um, salcata tortoises, leopard tortoises. In the past, we've done uh, Euromastics. Uh, actually, I got a crocodile skink that was pregnant. And it laid an egg, and we hatched the egg. So we've hatched crocodile skinks there, just a bunch of things. But I like doing that because I know where the animals are coming from. I know the parents are healthy. I know the babies are taken care of, like, perfectly, and they need every, they have everything they need before they go to, like, you know, somebody. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's – and it is good to know where the animals are coming from. If you guys are producing them yourself, you know they're captive bred, and, and you are the ones that – got them started and make sure they're healthy before they leave the store. Yeah. And, um, the people we get our animals from, we don't, we don't really order anything. We, we go to like the expos and we meet up with our breeders. So we so know, we know who they're coming from. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And so let's talk a little bit about this store because the store is not a conventional reptile store. You have a bunch of other things happening in the store as well. So I'm curious to see, Maybe you could explain what the store is and then and then also explain how reptiles found their way into that store. The store is called The Roadshow. Um, it's in Roseville, Michigan. It, m- my boss's dream was just to have a store of, to sell pretty much like anything that he likes or he wants. He, got, he started his first store when he was in his 20s. And um, they've been at the location we're at for like 15 years, but... Before that, he had three other stores, so he's been a businessman for a long time. He's an amazing businessman. Um, the store sells clothes and body jewelry and collectibles and crystals. Um, I The person who started the store, his name's Frank, or the started the animals in the store, his name's Frank. He passed away. Rest in peace. Um, but I guess that he was at Taco Bell reading like a reptile magazine, and he was talking to the owner of the store and he like convinced him that he should sell animals at the store. So that's where it, where it blossomed from. That's amazing. So, so was uh, Frank a reptile hobbyist at the time? Yes. He was like one of the originals. It's like when reptiles really weren't popular. Right. And I guess reptiles kind of fit into that theme of just kind of different things. Reptiles are sort of a strange animal to begin with for most people. So I guess it does kind of fit in the theme of that store. Always say it's the store of everything you want, but you don't need like an adult toy store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, so obviously, there's a kind of a squared off section of the store that's just dedicated to animals. And when you actually like, I've looked at pictures of the store. Those sections of the store actually just look like a regular pet store. Like you have your typical supplies and, and animals and whatnot. Uh, yeah. And in terms in terms of your role there, what, what's your role at the store? Um, I'm like the manager of the reptile section. I run everything. I do the ordering. Um, but I do have my team and they're amazing and I could not do it without them. Is it, uh, how many animals do you typically have, uh, at a time in there? Is that, a, or is that too broad of a question? Maybe it's just, you don't know off the top of your head, but I'm curious to see like how much work is it to manage just the animals you keep in the store? Um, 
I don't even, we have two, like, aisles of animals, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, like, the exact number. Now I'm going to count when I go to the store today. Um, <laughs> but something that we really care about is not overwhelming ourselves. So we never get more than we can handle, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's definitely the way to do it. And, and that's one of the things we wanted to chat about today is it, it is tricky owning up. I mean, pet stores get a lot of bad rap because often they make sales when they shouldn't. But at the same time, as a store, you need to make sure you're making sales to survive. You have to strike that balance between making sales, but also making sales to people who should be buying animals. So I guess let's start with when a customer walks in. How, how do you... It, are a lot of the customers that come into buy reptiles their first time? Is it are they walking in as complete newbies, or do you kind of have a mix? I would say it's a mix. Um, you can definitely you can tell when somebody hasn't had a reptile before because we we really question people. Um, what we do ask if they've ever had a reptile before, um, and then if they have, then say if somebody came in my store and was like, "I want this reticulated python." The first thing I'm going to say is, have you ever had a snake before? If they say no, I'm like, instead of this reticulated python, why don't you start out with something like, you know, that doesn't get as big, that is easier to take care of, maybe like a colubrid or like a ball python. Uh, but the thing is, if they say no, then we're allowed to say like, I don't feel comfortable selling this to you because, you know, you don't want certain animals to end up in the wrong hands just because they could get hurt or the animal could get hurt. Yeah, exactly. And and, that, and that's the, the trick with you want to make the sale, but at the same time, you don't want to send a reticulated python home with somebody who's never owned a snake before. So how, what are some processes that you and the, your employees go through to, to find the right species for somebody? If they're just walking in as a fresh person off the street that's never kept one, do you guys kind of walk them through a process to figure out which animal would, would match their, their lifestyle? Definitely. Like, a, I say a popular one that people want is the bearded dragons. But we, we explain to them that they need a heat light, they need a UVB light, they need to eat bugs daily or every other day, they need fresh greens, they need calcium powder. We explain how much care the animal actually is. And if they seem overwhelmed by that, we'll try and like point them in the direction of something that maybe is like less maintenance, like like a leopard gecko or a crested gecko. Um you know, something that doesn't require as much like lighting or that eats a little less. We try and find out like what their schedule is, how often they're home, what they're comfortable feeding. Because sometimes people will be like, I want a bearded dragon, but I'm only going to feed it greens. And then we're like, no. <laughs> how about maybe like this Russian tortoise or this Euromastic, something that, you know, you're comfortable feeding it like a vegetarian diet. Here's a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, have you, do customers ever get mad or anything if you say like, no, sorry, I'm not going to sell this to you today? Oh, yeah. Oh, they do, hey. Around Christmas time, this mm. man came in and he told me that he wanted a bearded dragon and he was going to keep it in a five-gallon tank and he wasn't going oh to lights. And I was like, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Like, you're, you're going to kill this animal if you do that. He got really mad and left the store. He's like, I'm going to go buy one somewhere else. And I was like, I really hope you don't do that. <laughs> Like, please I guess, think about the animal before you go and do that. Yeah, I'm sure Christmas time is full of a lot of impulse purchases, hey, for parents trying to buy things for their kids. Yeah, we, we're we pretty good at gauging, like, 
if somebody's going to come and get uh, a lot of the parents, it's okay. Because when you talk to the parents, they're like, I'm going to get this for my kid, but I'm fully aware that I'm probably going to be taking care of this. Mm-hmm. And majority of the time, it's something that they want to, even if they don't admit it. Right. Yeah. They're kind of buying it for themselves. Yeah. A lot of the times with the bearded dragons, for whatever reason, like moms, moms of kids in the bearded dragons, they, they fall in love. They always come back like a few months later with like the bearded dragon wrapped in a towel or like a little sweater on like, this is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People who fall in love with bearded dragons just become obsessed with them. Are they the most popular animal you think that sells or that's the most popular that people want? I would say that's one of them. The bearded dragons, the crested geckos, the ball pythons, a lot of insects like the the arachnids. Uh, a lot of people come in for the mantid. Uh, they're pretty popular too. So where do you think the chain stores go wrong in terms of their ability to, to, to run the store effectively? I guess they're making sales, but they're not making the best sales in a lot of, in a lot of cases. So since you work there, do you, did you notice things that you think they could do better? Um, train their employees on what proper care the animals actually need. Hey, that would be I, a good one. <laughs> when I was, I was 17 and I was told, take care of these animals and I was given no instructions. Um, I'm horrified to think about how the fact that these animals are in, well, when I was there, these animals were in like light out enclosures with none of them had the correct substrate. They were not being fed like fresh fruits or vegetables. All of them were eating like strictly crickets. And then all of them had just like base lighting and they were all the same temperature. Think about that. Yeah. It, well, I mean, as a as a reptile enthusiast, you can see it when you walk into most of those big chain pet stores. You go, oh, this is kind of weird, but you don't know. I mean, the biggest thing when you walk into a store is exactly what you said. When you're talking to the employees, you can tell that they're not ex- exactly sure what they're talking about. So when, when you get hired onto a chain store like that, there's no training in terms of spe- species-specific care. How do they expect you guys to be able to make sales that way? Or are you just supposed to fly by the seat of your pants type thing? Yep. they And you're not allowed to say no when you work at a big like pet or at a big chain store you you have to sell everyone whatever they want right like you can't use your discretion and say hey i don't think this uh, is going to be good for you nope you could get fired well at least at the chain store i worked at i i'm only speaking for one of them not all of them so i'm not (laughs) all big chain stores don't know what they're talking about and i'm sure there are people who work at the stores who know things about reptiles but the store that i worked at it was a they they pretty much just threw a teenager into the animal section and was like, take care of this. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, and, and it's a good point. We're not, it's just more of a broad discussion. We're not necessarily pinpointing every box store because I'm sure there's some great ones out there or great managed ones out there. But it does it does seem to be a general theme with those stores that maybe they shouldn't be selling as many animals. Like I, I, there's a lot of reptile keepers who think box stores shouldn't sell animals at all. And I, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think they could sell maybe the simpler animals, but they shouldn't be selling complicated things. But they definitely need to come up with a good structure for in, you know, educating the employees. Oh, definitely. And if they had proper setups, I think that I would be more comfortable with it. But just the fact that when I go into most like big chain pet stores and I see that they're like set up this like like base lighting and all the same temperature like that's that's horrifying to me because these animals are from different places in the world like it's, some yeah, of them it, hot some of them need a really humid some of them need uvb lights some of them don't so like 
to put like one light on a unit with multiple different animals from like around the world is I just don't think it's fair to the animal. No, definitely not. And, and then a lot of people go home and that's what they see. So that's how they care for it because they assume that's what was happening in the store. So this is what you do at home. And it's just way off. That's another thing that we get a lot at our store. We have people come in and they have improper setups because they got it from the like store, like the big name stores where I and you can't even get mad at the employees because they don't know what they're doing wrong. When I was younger, I had no idea that I was doing anything wrong. Um, and then we just try and guide them into the way of like, you know, proper care, like, hey, maybe you should get this light for your animal because they didn't sell it for you and it's something that they really need. Or, hey, maybe you should get this calcium powder, this multivitamin, like, you know, switch out that heating pad for a heat lamp, just depending on like what it is or, you know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So in terms of your guys' education at the store, what what do you guys do to continuously, I guess you, you kind of probably keep the same type of species. So it's not like you're constantly need to learn new species, but if you're oh, hiring what? on a new oh, staff, things in oh you're always getting new things in so then what do you do how do you guys learn do you do you just somebody sit down and print out a care sheet and then you study it together or what's the process there um well when we get the new animals we'll put them all away together and then we we kind of just come together as a team and like we'll like look up what they need and then i have a lot of people in my life that i'm lucky to have who have been doing this since like reptiles became a thing so my I really, I like, I'll look at like a care sheet on the internet as like a base and then I'll talk to the people who are like, you know, my, what's the word for that? Like mentor. Yeah, I'll talk to my mentors and I'll be like, hey, is this proper? Am I doing this right? And then they'll help me tweak it to what like, you know, it's like actually what they need. So yeah, that's that's so true because care. I always say care sheets are just like your basic skeleton, and when you get an animal, that's kind of when you learn the nuances of how to care for it. But the the care sheet can only get you started, so it's always good to have somebody who's cared for them for a while to say like, hey, this is a little bit wrong. And then, do you guys send care sheets home with the people who buy the animals, or do you just give them access to somewhere where you know that there's good care sheets online? We print out care sheets. We make our own care sheets, and I try and make it like as simple and to the point as possible um we have like care sheets for all the different animals we have at the store um and then we have like a a sheet of what like food to feed them and what not to feed them i have like a like a base sheet of like what greens are good for the animals what ones you should avoid what like fruits and vegetables are good for the animals what ones you should avoid but um majority of the animals at the store have their little care sheet and then if we're selling something that doesn't have a care sheet yet, we'll even write it down on a piece of paper if they need us to, like what they need, if they have any questions. Yeah, that's this is why I find it so interesting listening to someone at a, sort of a smaller independent store is that it, as much as it's fun to sort of bash the big guys, the big box stores, it's just so much more interesting to to hear from from your guys' point of view and then help promote the individual stores because I think this sort of stuff goes on in individual stores quite often and then it doesn't happen at all in, in big stores. So do do the people who buy animals from you guys also have the opportunity to call or, or come back and ask questions? Yes. I even I do reptile babysitting at home. So most of the time I give people a business card with my personal phone number and my name and I say like, hey, if you need anything, you can even message me on Facebook or message the Roadshow's Facebook. Like, I'll gladly answer questions for you. Or they can call the store. So I, 
I feel like selling somebody something and then not letting them ask you questions is like the wrong way to go about it. Um, I think it's really important to be able to answer people's questions because sometimes when you're at a store and you're getting a new animal and you're excited and you forget about things and you go home and you're like, oh, wait, I need this question. Yeah, totally. And, and usually the questions are really simple, I'm sure. And after a week or two, they probably get all the questions out of their system. But when you first get an animal, you ask like every question, like, is it okay that it's 80.2 degrees, even though it says it's supposed to be 80? Things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. Do you get just totally inundated with messages all the time? Or are you able to ma- like, do, do people just spam you a lot? Or is it okay? I probably have like 10 unread messages on my Facebook all the time. But oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm used to it. And I mean, I don't mind. I like answering people's questions. I'd rather be there to help people. Yeah, yeah. I see people like that on Instagram who have like large followings. And then in their bio, they'll say, hey, if you have any questions about care, just send me a message. And I always think like, oh, my gosh, that's the last thing I'd want, because you know that you just end up with a bunch of. But for me, I don't I only own a few species. So I don't know. uh, I don't have a huge, broad spectrum in terms of care sheets or in in my brain, which I guess you probably do. So you are probably an encyclopedia worth of care information. I started working at the big box store when I was um, 15 years old. And I was there for five years. And then I was working at both stores at a point. And then I've been at the store that I'm at now for, I think, like seven, almost eight years. So <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm used to it. In terms of your job itself, do you, is, this, is it a dream job for you? Like, Do you just wake up and enjoy going to work? Every day. I can't imagine doing anything else. I, I love the animals so much, specifically the reptiles. I don't know what it is about them. I just even when people say things are aggressive like for example we got this iguana um in not too long ago and the lady we got it from she said it was really aggressive and within like two or three days we were it was to the point where I was sitting on the ground with it giving it little iguana massages I feel like a lot of the times with the reptiles if you act like you're scared of them they almost like pick on you but in their defense, I feel like when you're like scared of them or you like nudge away really fast, you're kind of your heart rate goes up. You're acting like prey, so I feel like that's when they're gonna get like more defensive. If you're comfortable with them, not all the time, but if you're comfortable with them, I feel like they're gonna be more comfortable with you. Yeah, it's it's true. It's this it's a sort of same sentiment you hear a lot of times from people who who handle and work with venomous snakes. It's like the last thing you want to do is be super fearful and apprehensive and and make jerky movements because you're just going to make the animals start to get even more anxious and and aware of they're watching you as well. So if you're acting like sporadic, crazy thing, (laughs) it's going to make them uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, it's going to stress them out and it's going to stress you out. In terms of uh, I know that you were also telling me that you guys sell kits. So in terms of kits, are these things that you guys just, you know, you compile a bunch of different items in the store together. And so when someone comes in, you can just uh, send it home with them. Yeah, we actually make our own kits for like, all the popular animals that we sell, we have like a, like a shelf, like a row. And then we have our pre made kits. So for example, a question we get a lot is like, hey, if I get this bearded dragon, how much is everything the bearded dragon needs? How much is that going to cost? Then we can just point to the kit and say, you know, this much but i like doing that because that way i know that the kits have the actually like actually the proper things that the animals need because a lot of the kits that i see that are pre-made from the companies just have a bunch of 
BS that they don't need mm-hmm. and then are like lacking a bunch of things that they do actually need. And I, that's a big problem too. When people come to me and they say like, Oh, I bought a kit. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh no. That's well, it's, I always say like, show me what's in the kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Show me the items. Cause it's so true. And it's something that I never really thought about because I, I've never really looked at a kit in store. But when I was talking to someone else in the podcast, um, Drew Reeves from a chameleon, uh, chameleon group on Facebook, he was saying, was it the ZoomEd kit? They call the death kit because the items in it, it's a terrible UVB light. Like the, the it's, it's just one of those compact ones that doesn't work very well. And then they, they compile like vitamin D in there as well, which is you shouldn't do. And it's like a bunch of things. Like you said, the cage is too small for a chameleon. Like it's not even the appropriate size. So it just totally seems like those companies just throw stuff together. And this is not the big stores. This is, we're talking like the reptile equipment manufacturers that are not doing a good job compiling correct items, even though they sell them. Oh, definitely. So what kind of, when you, when someone comes in, if they buy like a bearded dragon, are they are these people often buying going home with the kits, like, or do you have to convince them of it, or is it is it pretty easy sale for the most part? I think majority of the time we talk them into getting our kits just because we do explain like, hey, this is actually everything you need. Like, mm-hmm. if you get like you know that kit, then you're still gonna have to come back to me and then spend even more money to get like the proper things that they need. So. I feel like major if it's if they have like a tank or something at home already that we like feel is proper, then we'll get them all the other things they need. But majority of the time, people buy our kit. Is the kit cheaper? Do you guys give them like a little bit of a discount when they buy the whole kit together, or is it just kind of the items that are regular price? Not that it matters. I'm just curious to see if. Oh if, yeah, there's you, there's hmm. a little discount with the kit. Hmm. See, that's interesting. And so maybe we'll just, for example, use like um, a leopard gecko. For a leopard gecko kit, do you, you, it comes with an enclosure and then lighting and heating and, and everything else with it as well? Yeah. Hmm. And then that's awesome. calcium. Um, with a leopard gecko, I always give like a cage carpet. Because, I mean, personally, for leopard geckos, I'm not a big fan of substrate. Because I do take in rescues. I've had a lot of problems with people using things like when you say substrate, they think like dyed sand and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's a, that's a big no, no. Cause I've had things come to me with like when they're shedding, sometimes it can suck on their toes and their toes can fall off. I've had one more than one of my rescue leopard geckos that was on substrate have like really bad eye problems. Um, you know, just, you know, things that they have in these kits that I'm like, Ugh, that's something I would tell people never to use. Yeah, yeah. The, the the substrate argument on the sort of the bearded dragon and leopard gecko one is interesting because, uh, like, of course, I'm a naturalistic. I, I love all the enrichment that you can have, and I, I think you can absolutely have loose substrate in those enclosures. But at the same time, if you are dealing with somebody who's only doing like twenty percent of the research and they're they buying one of these kits and they don't know how the animal is, and you're right, they're putting like aquarium sand at the bottom and it becomes very bacterial there's an infection can happen. And so it is sort of that balance between, you know, wanting to promote enrichment, but you only want to promote that type of good natural loose substrate to those who actually are doing the work and understanding how to care for the animal. Um, see, I'm there's just like a million ways to do everything. And as long as you're doing it properly and your animal is healthy, then I'm I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one of the other interesting things that I, I thought that was really cool that you do in your store is you have an enrichment shelf. So can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Yes, this is new. Actually, we got this idea from listening to your podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm so happy to hear that. We we started ordering um you know the the dog toys that uh have like all the holes in them? Yep. Yeah. Like, is it like, like the ball? Yeah, we gave one to our tegu. We've been putting like rats in it. We have a bunch of those. Um we've been putting them in the, in the colubrid tanks and like encouraging people to do stuff like that. Um and then we've been the smells that you were talking about, we've been telling people about like, you know, getting scents on different things and putting it in the cages. But for right now we have like a shelf with like with the different dog toys. Um and then this is gonna this is a new thing. It's not that big yet. But a lot of people have been asking like, what is this about? And I'm like, you know, it's a way to get your animals, you know, brain working in a way that it normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that is so cool. I mean, I, you must be one of the only stores uh, that's doing this right now. And I know the the team at Reptelligence, I'll have to send this to them because they, they will lo- love to hear that uh, that a store is actually doing this because that, that is so cool. So, oh my, If it, they have any tips for me, I would love to hear what they think I should do. But another thing that we are big for is our, we have bioactive tanks in the store. Like mm-hmm. my dart frog uh, enclosure, like our breeder one, it's bioactive. Our tokay gecko, we have like our white tree frogs, they have live plants. I put chia seeds in a lot of the tanks. Um, and then we actually breed the springtails and the isopods at the store. So we have like so a can people, people can buy isopods and springtails at the store as well? Yeah. And then if they're interested in a bioactive tank, we'll help put it together for them so they can do that too. I love that. That's so awesome. So that means that's the cool thing about having bioactive in store. Obviously the, the, the big pet stores aren't doing this because it's just a lot to manage, but you, I would love to have somebody walk into a store and see a bioactive enclosure and then just become obsessed with that and go, wow, I really want to replicate that rather than just walk in and just see an animal and say, I really want that cool animal. I, I would, I just, I like when the whole package is, is being visualized by the, the customer. You know, they're seeing the whole yeah. care level and the plants and, and, and everything to do with it rather than just like the really cool chameleon. It's like, this we is what you want to do as well. This amazing man, his name is Mike, and he has a pesticide-free greenhouse. And we get clippings of his plants every month. And we have a, a tank set up with live plants that you can buy for your bioactive tanks. And he only gives us the ones that are safe if the reptiles eat them. So we have like a reptile safe pesticide free tank for plants for your bioactive tanks. That's amazing. That's such a good idea. And uh, so getting back to that, the enrichment shelf, I'm curious to see what our customers are. Are they just mainly mystified at that point? Like do they have they, I'm sure many of them haven't heard of providing enrichment in that way to to their reptiles. So do they respond well to that? Or is it kind of just like, oh, that seems a bit weird. Oh no, people get excited. I feel like a lot of, customers like or even new people they they want the best for their animal and they get excited for the fact that like because you can't give reptiles treats really i mean like bearded dragons and things like that but when it comes to like snakes or things that only eat like a couple times a week if you could do something that's like i would say that's almost equivalent as like a treat for them then they're all about it yeah no that's that's really cool and and even that that might open up reptiles to more people as well. Like they think that, oh, it's just a snake. It sits in its hide all day. But, oh, maybe if I get to provide a puzzle feeder or some some different enrichment smell-wise and different things for it to investigate, that might make me want to, you know, look into getting a snake more so than, than before. Yeah. <laughs> We're also like, 
I, I literally have a sign up in our section that says, if you don't have anything nice to say about the animals, don't say anything at all or something along those lines. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you need that in a reptile store. Yeah, because when somebody is like, I don't like snakes, I'm always like, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, because they're this. I'm like, have you ever touched one? Have you ever pet one? I was like, you might like it. Or another, another big one, people come in afraid of tarantulas. We have this rose hair tarantula that's actually been at the store longer than me. Her name's Bobo. She's so sweet. We have a lot of people be like, I'm scared of tarantulas, but I want to touch one. And I'm like, okay, I'll let you hold her. Like, and you have them hold out their hands like a dinner plate and you set her on them. We have a lot of people like shake their fear of the animals while they're there. Well, I guess you guys have the unusual circumstance where you're going to have people shopping in the store that aren't there for reptiles, which typically is not the case in a reptile store. You guys are going to have people there that are there for crystals and, and clothes and, and whatnot, and they might just meander back to the reptiles to look, but they might be scared at the same time. Yeah, we get a lot of that. And then we always, you know, we always try and explain to them that they're not creepy, they're not bad, they're not slimy, they're actually really sweet. And if more people gave them a chance, they might fall in love with them like I did. Yeah, once you feel a snake and realize it's not slimy, then it uh, a lot of people go, wow, that's not at all what I was expecting when I touched a snake. Yeah, they're soft. It's like a little massage. <laughs> that's right. So in ter- I think we, we kind of were talking about uh, bearded dragons being pop- popular, but I know you had mentioned that sometimes animals come in waves in terms of their popularity. Is this something that happens a lot? Like is does this it's just once in a while an animal for no reason will become super popular and a bunch of people will come in and, and want to... Yes, it's when these like these videos get viral on Facebook and then they get shared. Uh The hedgehog, the hedgehogs kind of sell in waves, like. But the hedgehogs are something that you have to really explain to people too. Like, they need a lot of love and affection and attention and special care. So it's not something that just because you saw a cute Facebook video, it's not something that you want to take home. Like, it's a life thing. You have to make sure that you have time and money and. You know. So people will see a video, I guess a cute video on Facebook and then go, tomorrow I'm going to go buy a hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, that one, the hedgehogs are a big one. Um, you know, the Goody Sapphire tarantula, the one, it's blue and it has the yellow knees. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one too. And I'm like, if this is your first tarantula, you probably don't want this to be your first tarantula because they're fast and a lot of work, so. We and do that's ha- like an old world species that if it bit you, it would not feel good. No, no. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's the one downside of social media and the amount of videos that are easy to find on, on YouTube and whatnot. People just, you know, decide tomorrow that they want to get something new without even thinking about it. This has nothing to do with the store, but I'm just curious your opinion on this. I sure. see a lot of videos of people doing things with their reptiles that they shouldn't for like views like the other day I saw somebody having their chameleon painting with a paintbrush like they had it by its back feet when you see things like that do you cringe like I cringe because I'm like you're you're stressing your animal out please don't do that yeah I I do I definitely do cringe and I'm sort of far on the other side where I actually don't handle my animals that much not because I'm thinking I'm going to stress them out it's just I'm just not a super hands-on person. I'm a, a lot more visual. And, I'm uh, same way, so. I, yeah, I, so I think, if you, especially if you're a visual person, when you see something like that, you just go, ah, it's, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of treating them as if they're uh, little humans. No, a lot of them, they just, they want to be 
taken care of that they don't want to be handled like that. And that's another question I ask people too. I'm like, do you want something that you can handle? And then if they say yes, then I try and point them in the direction of something that I would actually like not mind being touched, not get super stressed out super easily. Yeah. That's the thing with reptiles is the, there's it's you can't really read their body language that well you can if they start to really panic and start to you know try to run run away and you know they go jittery and whatnot it's easy but in general they just their face looks the same it's not like you're it's not like a dog where you can see their ears change or their their the, the muscles in their face change a head of a reptile almost will never change regardless of of its mood that is very true so people just assume that uh, you can just treat them like little dogs. And yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely not a huge fan of that. And, and I, I can imagine those are the videos that go popular and viral on Facebook and YouTube. And then that's what causes people to think like, oh, I can get a chameleon and it can paint next to me. Well, no. <laughs> like, no, that's not how it is at all. I don't, there, there's been an influx of people asking if they can handle the Goliath bird eater because a video that's been going around. And I'm like, please don't ever do that the Goliath bird eater does not want you to handle it and you could get very hurt. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have lots of people coming into the store that are just, because th that's one of the things with reptile stores is they sometimes have this second um, purpose of almost just being like a zoo in a lot of ways where people just want to come look at the animals. I'm sure you get a lot of that. Yeah. And I mean, as long as they're respectful of the animals, they don't touch the tanks. Um, they, you know, are just looking and, I don't mind answering questions and helping people like that, but the problem is when people come in like that, then sometimes they want to like poke and prod and that's another thing that can really stress the animals out. I'm like, please don't touch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, goofy or funny questions that people have when they come in, are the, is that a common occurrence uh, in the reptile store industry? Oh, I get asked funny questions all the time. And it you'd think it would be kids that are asking these questions, but majority of the time it's adults. What what uh you got you got to let me let me know some of these questions. <laughs> um a few of my favorites. Uh there was a a man, he had to be it was a middle-aged man. He pointed to the bearded dragon. He's like, "What are the holes in the side of its head?" I was like, "Well, <laughs> those are its ears." He's like, oh, does he I'm like, do you see out of your ears? No. Does, did he ask, did he, does he see out of them? Yes. That, that's <laughs> the question that I've been asked. Or, um, we have a big Burmese python, and it's in a huge enclosure with, like, shower glass door, like, um, and there's, like, a lock. But there's, like, a tiny space between the lock. I had a teenage girl put her hand through, like, the opening and... She looked at me and said, if it bit me, would it hurt? <laughs> yes, it would. If that giant bit you, would it hurt? I don't know why you... Yes, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that's... You know, reptiles are so unknown and, and misunderstood for the in the general public that I'm sure that hap sort of stuff happens all the time. <laughs> or term you get oh, a lot ahead. of people... Um, uh, looking at the snakes, is it poisonous? I'm like, mm -hmm. no, it, it's not poisonous. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. People, you have snakes. They the first thing they say is it's probably going to eat me, and then the second thing they ask is is going to is it poisonous? Well, oh no! So funny. Even our big Burmese python, they're like that thing could kill me. I'm literally five feet tall and like 110 pounds. I'm like, if I can handle this snake, 
you can too. It's just all about proper handling. It's about, yeah. you know, experience and, you know, picking them up and handling them in a way that they're comfortable and you're comfortable. It's not about like, I mean, I'm sure there are some things that are too big for me to handle, but when it comes to things like that, it's like, no, it's not going to kill you. It's actually really nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not going to lay next to you and size you up uh, to see if it can fit you in its stomach. <laughs> no, no, no. That's another one too. I, I just giggle every time. My aunt's cousin's friend had this snake and it got out and it laid in her bed and then I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't yeah. happen. It's so weird. They always know the, it's like a secondhand story, but they always know who the first hand, it's always like my aunt or my teacher or my friend's mom. It's, it's always close enough to, I'm like, do you, have you ever gone down the path and found that person with that snake? Because they don't exist. <laughs> Look, that didn't happen. I promise you that didn't happen. Yeah. In terms of selling the bigger animals, this is always one of those points of contention in the hobby so you guys obviously sell retics retics and do i'm sure you sell burmese python do you sell burmese pythons as well they're not as available as majority of the things we have them occasionally but not a lot but when we do sell the things like that it's it's the hobbyists who come in and buy them it's people who already have had them at home we because we do get a lot of new people but we have we get a lot of hobbyists too so with those if if somebody doesn't have any experience or hasn't had anything like that before, I'm always like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think like I would throw sulcata tortoises into that boat as well. I'm sure everybody sees when they're babies and they're so cute. I'm sure you have lots of people wanting to buy them, but in terms of a, a, an animal for that, that, that has to go to a, a definitely an experienced hobbyist. You have two of them, I guess now because of that, probably. Yes. We actually have um, two huge enclosures with, full like not full grown i'd say like our oldest one's probably 15 so we do have large salcata tortoises at the store anytime somebody points to a salcata tortoise they're like i want that i point to the big ones and i say that will turn into that and that is probably going to quadruple in size so do you want a 200 pound tortoise at your house because that's what you're going to get but luckily we have like redfoot tortoises and herman's tortoises and russian tortoises and leopard tortoises where if somebody's like, I want this tortoise, but I don't want it to get big, then I'm like, how about you get this tortoise? Because it doesn't get big. Yeah, Salcata, it's, that, that's what, they can be pretty destructive too, hey? Like once they get to that size, they just can smash things. Break through your wall? <laughs> They're known to like try and eat drywall because it has calcium in it. Really? Wow. Yeah. It sounds like a terrible diet, but I can imagine them doing it. <laughs> yeah, please don't ever feed your tortoises drywall at anybody not a good thing um but we take in a lot of rescue salcatas because of that but we do have people who come in and you know do want bigger ones and they have huge enclosures built at home so we're lucky to have like you know knowledgeable people who do come in if they wanted a bigger tortoise we could you know make that happen but it's not all the time so in terms of the the rescue the two rescued salcatas that you have were they just that same situation they just got too big for the owner or how, what is the story behind those all right so i had a couple come in and they said i have a tortoise at home my <laughs> my friend just went to jail and this tortoise has been walking around his house they've been feeding it spinach and grapes i'm like oh no wow. um, i was like yeah, that, that doesn't sound right. I was like, what kind of 
like cage or like what kind of enclosure do you have for it? They're like, we don't. I'm like, it has no heat, no UVB. They're like, no. And then I was like, well, I can help you get that stuff together. I put all the stuff together and ended up being around like $200 because the tortoise isn't like small, but it's not big. I'd say it's like, like probably a little bit, a little bit bigger than like a dinner plate. Um, and then they said they couldn't afford it and that they were just going to give it to somebody. And I was like, well, why don't you just bring it to me? Because I'll take it. And then me and my boyfriend, we have a, we have a spare bedroom and we just built them a giant box in our spare bedroom. <laughs> so they could just smash into the walls in there and not go through the drywall. Yeah. They can, have, yeah, they've been having fun smashing into the wood and through the walls, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely need a full room, especially at that even at that size when they're even relatively small, the size of a dinner plate, they uh they do get very very big. So that's that's just one of those species that uh should definitely be a selectively sold. Oh, I agree 100%. In, in terms of most of the rescues that you get, are they all sort of that same story where people just decide they don't want them anymore because I I know that you said you have lots of rep, uh, rescues at home but also at the store. Do people just bring them to the store and say, "Hey, I'm done with this?" Um you know, sometimes it's like that, but majority of the time it's like I'm moving, I can't handle this or, you know, things right. of that nature. Um, and then, you know, if they ever need any care or anything, we'll bring them back to life and then, you know, we'll find them a good home. Awesome. No, I think it's it's awesome. I'm so happy to be able to talk to an, a smaller independent pet store or someone, someone who works there because you guys are up to some really cool things. And I think that's the model that I would love to see big pet stores go to. I just don't think they ever will because it's for them, it's about making the sale and uh, they don't care how they do it. So that's where the power lies in the smaller stores. You guys have the power to really establish good practices and make the reptile industry really healthy. So, so this is all fantastic information. I think that we are successful because we we don't push anything on people like in like if i see somebody picking up something that's not good for the animal they have i'll say put that down like we're we're there to sell people the things that they need that are good for their animal and not things that they don't need and i feel like people really see that and that's why they want to keep coming back because they know that we're we're not there just to make money off of them. We're there to help them with their animals. We're like, we, we really care. And I feel like when you really care, even like we have a lot of people come in and say, wow, your animals look really happy. Your animals look really healthy. And it's because not only me, but my entire team, we're all really passionate about the animals and we care about them. And we love them. And we take the best care of them that we can. And when people see that, they want to, you know, they want to treat their animals like that, or they want to get animals from us because they know that when they go home, they're going to have something that's already been like loved and taken care of. Totally. And it sets the standard. They see the animal like that in store and they want to at least replicate that. But when you go into a big chain and you see this wild caught Chinese dragon, that's barely opening its eyes and looks dehydrated, like it hasn't drinking water in three weeks, you take that home. Maybe that's what you assume Chinese water dragons look like all the time. Yeah. <sighs> It, it it's true and it makes me so sad yeah it, it definitely is so but that's why it's great to have uh highlighting stores like yourself and i'm, I'm just going to continue to do that and and hopefully this can become a resource for people that are in the same situation because the best part about it is like you said you love your job and it shows up in in the store in the with the staff and in with the animals care so when it doesn't feel like work it's easy to to get up and go there 
Oh, yes. Uh, well, I feel like that's a really important thing in life is, you know, you spend majority of your time at your job. Why not like what you're doing? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Is there anything that we didn't cover yet that, that you wanted to to say or, or talk about? If not, that's no problem. I always just want to make sure that uh, we get everything on the table. Not really that I can think of. If you, you have, have questions to ask, you can ask me a million questions. I like answering them. <laughs> Do you have any advice for somebody that might be in a pet store, working in a pet store, anything that you think they, that you guys do really well that, that's worked in your store that they could implement? When you have a problem or something is going wrong or if your animal's acting weird or if you don't know something, I always say the best advice c- come from people who have experience with the animals like different breeders or I'm lucky enough to have um, a bunch of people above me who have been doing this for years who are helping me. So I would say reach out to somebody who, you know, has experience with the animals instead of just going on the internet and going with the first thing you read on Google. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage on there for yeah, sure. There's a lot of false information on the internet. Like, I don't know which website it says it, but... On one of the websites, it says that you should feed your baby bearded dragon like 30 to 50 crickets a day. I, I get this one all the time. I don't know what website it is, but I just really want to email them and be like, please take this down. <laughs> so customers will come in and they have that stat in their head? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And new new people to the reptile hobby always find the most obscure sites to get information off of. Hey, like as, a, as a, someone who's been here for a while, you don't even know where this is coming from. Or Facebook groups, like not, and I'm not saying Facebook groups are bad all the time, but there are, you know, people who are like, I have one ball python and I knew everything to know about animals ever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those, yeah. And it, it, another thing that I would say is keep an open mind. Just because somebody's enclosure doesn't look exactly like yours, if they're getting proper like heat and humidity and their animals healthy, and maybe if they use like a different substrate than you, but it's like almost the same thing. Don't, I try to keep an open mind and not judge. Like if their animal's healthy, maybe I can learn something from them. Like with the reptile hobby, especially because it's so new, nobody knows everything. Cause even if you know everything, people are finding out new things every day. Just keep an open mind. Listen to what people have to say. Of course, if it's something that could cause their animal harm, you know, you want to, you want to educate. You don't want to, put people down because when you start if somebody's doing something wrong if you put somebody down or you're mean to them about it they're not going to listen to anything you say so you want to educate people you don't want to like slander people it's that is so true and that's something that i always try to promote on the show as well is making sure that if you are trying to give someone some information that you're doing in the way that fosters the result in them actually doing it rather than tearing a strip off them. It's like, yeah, you might want to call them an idiot, but is that going to help the animal in the situation? They just might not know. So just give them the tools and help them. And and like you said, two enclosures may look totally different, but function the exact same for the animal. So keeping an open mind is huge. That's what I always, uh, when people come in, even if they're doing something completely wrong or like something that's like completely out of the box, I'm like, if I think it's wrong, I'm never going to, be like oh my gosh that's dumb don't do that i'm gonna be like hey why don't you do it this way because it's gonna benefit your animal in this way and i have people who you know have a way open mind after i say things like that like oh wow i didn't think of it like that and then they're way more open to changing whatever was improper 
Well, and you can just ask them questions like, oh, is that your hot, is that your hot side? Like, how does that function? Is, is the animal using it? And then you, you might be able to get them to walk themselves into a better care or a better answer to, to what they're trying to do with their enclosure than you just giving them the information crudely. Yeah, I feel like that's a, that's a big problem in the reptile community is people like slandering each other. And if we could just like, you know, nicely educate each other, I feel like things could work a lot smoother. Yeah, I totally agree. In terms of when you guys go to, do you go to expos as a group, as like maybe two or three of you that get to go there and do you just get to go, hey, I want to buy a bunch of these animals for the store? It's me and the owner and his wife. And then um, we take turns with my team. And that must be so fun. You just get to go in and just pick pick what you want. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> do you normally have, do you have a goal of like, I want to get a couple of these or you just go and say, if something catches our eye, we're, we're coming home with it? Um, sometimes I'll have a goal and then sometimes I'm like, we're just going to get what, you know, what we're sold out of or what we need. I actually, the last, um, expo we went to, I met this really nice couple who makes tarantula enclosures. Um, and I just switched all of my tarantula enclosures to their tarantula enclosures because, um, they like make them at home and I was using, um, like critter keepers and I was like you know like blocking off the top so like the slings couldn't get out but they like make enclosures that are for slings that are just so they just go so above and beyond and I guess that's the most exciting thing for me when I go to reptile expo is like finding something new that's gonna improve the store or gonna improve like the animal's life and then being able to share that with everybody and supporting local people yeah, I love that. What was the name of, do you know the name of the uh, enclosure company that's building those? They're, they're called Itsy Bitsy Spider. Itsy Bitsy Spider. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Everyone should check them out. Um, yeah, I'm sure people who keep spiders will definitely want to check that out. And that must be the fun part about working in a pet store is you can actually go in and buy an animal or a piece of equipment and not necessarily have to take it home. You get to take it to the store and then maybe it gets sold. So it's not like you're necessarily just burning your own money and having to carve out another spot in your house to keep another animal you might get to keep a really cool dream animal for a couple months before it gets sold and get your experience with it oh yeah i have three rescue parrots and they take majority of my time and attention i don't think that (laughs) i don't think i could even make more room if i tried at this point yeah yeah you're just a typical uh reptile slash animal lover that that just gets you end up with way more animals than you should have, but they that's that's where they should be considering how uh, passionate and, and how much you care about them. Some of the things that at home I am going to rehab and, uh, you know, find a good home for, like the blue tongue skink I got, I feel so bad. This lady, she worked for like a real estate company um, and it, she was moving. I, I think this is the story. She was moving and she found this blue tongue skink and it was in a tank with puppy pads. And they, she said that she was feeding it like Purina cat food. And I was like, no. So when I got him, his full back was torn up. He has no toes. He had mouth rot. And um, his back's completely healed now. His mouth rot's gone. His toes are still a little raw. But when his toes heal up, I'm going to find him a good home. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we need people like you that are willing to do that because that animal absolutely need somebody with a high level of knowledge in order to bring them back from that. It's just amazing that so many reptiles end up in situations that are similar to that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I feel like that's why I like the store that I work at so much, because we're allowed to say like, hey, maybe that's not a good idea if you get this. 
because so people will come in and they won't want to buy anything that the animal needs and it's like that you're you're setting yourself up for failure at that point you don't want to do that yeah no exactly well Angela, thank you so much for for joining me today i think all of those little tidbits that you've given uh, sort of how to run a pet store or a reptile store successfully are going to be huge uh, for, for many people. And I just, I love the enrichment shelf and all that is, and the kits. It's just, just fantastic. Can you let everybody know where they can find the store or, or yourself online? Um, the store is in Roseville, Michigan. Um, it's on Gratiot Avenue in between uh, 11 and 12 miles, closer to 12 miles. It's a big purple building. It's called the Rogue Show. Um, and then my Instagram is Dirt Reptiles. And the store's Instagram is The Roadshow Inc. Of course, I'll have everything in the show notes so people can go find that there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had fun. All right, that is the end of that episode. Thank you very much for listening. And Angela, thank you so much for spending that time with me. I really enjoyed, the, for one, your passion that you have for your job, as well as the different things like the enrichment shelf and all the different things you've implemented into the store that make it run well. Now, for the listeners, at the beginning, I said I have a, a favor to ask from you for a project that I'm working on. Now, one of the things that I said in the intro is that it, it's much more interesting to me to highlight really well-run independent stores. So what I want you to do is if you have a store that's in your area, a reptile store or a pet store that you feel is running well, they're, they're providing people with correct information, they're sending animals home with to good homes, people that understand, if you have a store like that that you love that's in your area, shoot me a message on either Instagram, you can DM me there, or you can send me an email at hello at animalsathome.ca. Send me the information and I'm going to go investigate them a little bit. I'd like to compile a list of stores so all the listeners have a place to go. And ideally, we have one, you know, a stores in every state or so that I we can confidently send people to where they're going to get really good information on how to care for their animals. And instead of bashing the big stores, which I know it's so tempting and we did it again, like I did it in this episode, instead of doing that as much, I think it's much better to, to support and highlight those independent stores that are doing the right things. So if you do have a store in your area or one that you frequent all the time, please let me know. I'd like to compile a list. It's kind of a massive project, but I'm really looking forward to curating a list of stores that we can just confidently tell listeners, hey, go to this link. You're going to have a bunch of stores. If you're in one of those areas, that's where you should go for your reptile needs. Again, next week, the episode is featuring M. Locke from Mzotic. And after that, I am chatting with Adam Wickens from Wickens Wicked Reptiles. Thank you very much to Custom Reptile Habitats for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Links are in the show notes and the description. If you are interested in following me on Instagram, you can find me at animalsathomeca.com. And I will talk to you guys next week.